Today's episode of the Sleepers Podcast is brought to you by Busting Brackets. Busting Brackets, where I let Tristan Freeman do the rest of the ad read. Yeah, basically the place for you get as many slides as possible. So if you like to click, that's us. If you don't, sorry. You like to click, that's, that's us. That, I mean, honestly, that's pretty on brand and pretty, pretty accurate, I must say. But but it, it's worth the click. Let me let me say that. It's always worth the click. You don't just make us click for no reason. It's always like, damn it, I need to know the rest of this story. Let me go ahead and click. A wise man once said, know yourself, know your worth. And Tristan Freeman, busting brackets extraordinaire, apparently does know himself since he says, if you like to click, this is your site. But I like busting brackets for a lot of stuff. I used to contribute over there. And Tristan Freeman runs a great college basketball site, if you haven't heard of it. And he has joined the Sleepers podcast today. Uh, Tristan, let's just lay it all out there. We invited you like 17 times in the last two weeks, and you just kept ruthlessly turning us down every single time. So we kind of put a little pressure on you on the episode the other day, and uh, lo and behold, here you are. Is that fair story of what happened? Yeah, I guess so. I, I still I think something might happen to all the messages that were sent, but my integrity was on the line, and, and I was I was being you know a lot of big accusations. And look, last year I wouldn't have came off because you cannot be a pit fan of pit basketball and show your face in, in the college basketball world. But we made the tournament. You know, we're actually a good team. You know, Greg, your your team kind of sucks now. So I, I feel a lot braver to come on and, and let the world know, you know, it's okay to be a pit basketball fan right now. You, you know, know, thank God for Blake. Thank God for Blake Henson and yes. Greg Elliott so that you have the ability to come on here. I knew I loved those guys. I pay for Zoom premium specifically for one reason, so that I can boot Tristan Freeman from these meetings when he says nonsensical things like that. Uh, look, man, it's good to have you here. In all seriousness, we did not send you 17 invites. My plan was for years and years and years to pull like a Jimmy Kimmel, Matt Damon thing where we just always say we've invited you on and you're mean and you don't come on. Uh, but yesterday, apparently, it only took two days of me joking about it for you to be like, I'm coming on, swing the Zoom link. So here you are. Uh, it's a pleasure to be joined by you. You are wearing a sleepers polo, which we greatly appreciate. Big sleeper supporter in the house. And uh, quite frankly, I'm not super comfortable that I have lost less weight than you over the last three months. I like being the guy who's losing the weight on the podcast. You've lost like 45 pounds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and what's funny is that I, for some reason, I can't listen to podcasts while sitting down. I have to be moving around. So thanks to you guys doing the daily episodes, it's literally forced me to be outside even more to listen to that. So that's literally an extra 15 miles or so of walking I do, which have, which has contributed to the nice little weight loss. We love to see uh, it. Yeah, uh, incredible. All right. We have a bunch of comments to get to today. Uh, if you've listened to the last episodes, you already know this, but just going to say it again. We have four more days of this show that we will read every single YouTube comment, and then we're cutting it off. Next Monday, whatever we do for that episode, we will only be responding to comments and questions from the Discord. You can get on the Discord through a link in the description. It is $9.99 a month. Carter, if people don't want to pay $9.99 a month, what do we tell them? Stop being poor. Thank you for that. Uh, let's let's jump to the Discord first, actually, today, because we got to serve that community first. 
And then we have a bunch of fun stuff we're going to get to later in the show as well. Some Big Ten stuff and some stuff outside of the Big Ten. Let's just go through the comments, starting with GBoo4, who says, I love when Cart gets hit with a hard question. Defers to Greg answering first, then going, yeah, that's what I'd go with. I mean, that's just kind of how we operate. I'm actually pretty quick-witted. Greg is very quick-witted, but I'm, I'm very quick-witted myself as well. But on topics like what are the three coaches in the country right now that you'd want to take outside the Big Ten that haven't won a Final Four yet, go right now. I'm not going to lie. That's not me. I need a minute. I might need a piece of paper. I'm a visual learner. Got to write things down. Gregory, on the other hand, has the great gift of being able just to fire that off off his head if you ask them. What three ball coaches would he want right now as top three that haven't made a Sweet 16 yet? He'd be able to fire that off right this moment. I'm just not that guy. I know my strengths. And that's why I got Gregory. So why not lean on your podcast partner? Is that not what he's here for? He's a friend. Yeah, Fran Fran McCaffrey, Chris Holtman, and hmm, three's drawing a blank for me right now. I was going to go someone in the Pac-12. Is Andy Enfield made a Sweet 16? Yeah, the Dunk City teams. Okay, I only have two. That's on me. Also, did you say quick-witted or quick-witted? Quick-witted? Not quick-witted? I mean, you are quick-witted, too, I guess. I just, I, are you quick-witted or quick-witted? Quick-witted, witted. Okay. I I was just wondering. I thought it could be both. Uh, Tristan was in the comments. Shout out to Tristan, one of the first Discord members, and now he's on the show. Look at that. That could be you, folks. Says, as someone who was a setter in volleyball, I would lose respect if you didn't finish off my pass for the win, Carter. I'm a little, uh, I'm curious about your volleyball history, Tristan. You're a designated setter? Yeah. Uh, basically, my friends did volleyball in high school when I was just bored. Spring uh, spring uh, period. So I'm like, well, might as well just join it. And apparently I wasn't good enough or athletic enough to be a hitter. So it is, he just put me there at this as setter, and I was actually okay with it. And we made the playoffs final year in high school and almost got to the finals. But I, I will say volleyball is probably one of the more underrated sports. Really, really competitive and great to watch, especially uh, the women's volleyball. Shout out to the Pitt women making it to the final four. So if you're, if you're not a volleyball fan, you might want to get into that. And especially if you want to see Carter spiking on someone uh, somewhat undeservedly. But hey, it happens. Don't step between the lines being ready for that smoke. My parents always taught me that. No matter what. Do you have the vertical to be like an elite hitter in volleyball cart? I mean, you don't need like a crazy, crazy vertical. I'm already 6'7". I'm damn near standing over the net as I stand there. I feel like you got to be up there, though. Like, I mean, I... If, you can't, if you can't get up there, that's definitely a, you know, that's something special. But the fact that I'm already there is definitely an advantage with my height. Yeah, that's true. Fam33 in the Discord, who is still just dominating the betting channel in the Discord, says, need the men's league recap from Cart on the show tomorrow, both the good and the bad. We did try to stream your men's league game. Uh, in fact, we I think we did stream it. You set up a phone uh, on the corner. We could see one whole offensive end of the court. I tuned in for about five minutes and saw you miss a three horribly, but you got your own rebound and had a tough finish immediately after that. I liked that mentality. How'd it go? You know, it went okay. New team, new uh, new mentality, definitely. Um, uh, got to definitely learn my teammates, I think. Uh, in the first half, I had probably 12, six boards and four blocks. I was all, I was locked in defensively. I was all over the place. Uh if my phone was tilted 15 degrees to the left, you would have seen it. Uh, but highlights coming soon. 
But uh, my point guard, we're we're gonna have to get used to each other because I don't like the way I don't like the way we operate together. He's the type who's like outlet, outlet. I'm like, you haven't played with somebody like me before. You run, I'll find you, and or I might pull up or go to the hoop. But I'm gonna do it all big. Obviously, you didn't read my text message. All right, so just run. Don't look at me. Can I read the text you sent about your point guard? Yeah. Carter sends me at 9.54 p.m. last night. He said, this men's league season is going to be tough. Got a point guard with the mindset of Curbelo and the skills of Stephen Izzo and the body of Redacted. Uh, we are not going to say who you said he had the body of. But um, all in all, not a rosy outlook on your point guard. I hope it goes well for you as you continue to grow together. Season is early, you know, young, young year. You got a lot left to learn, a lot left to do. Did you lose the game? I'm assuming you lost the game. We did lose the game. Yeah. I feel like when you win the game, that's the first thing I hear in the report. When you lose the game, you just go to, I had 12 and six in the first half and my point guard. Yeah, but, uh, 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 the captain of our team, he got fouled like plenty of time they were doubling in the post and i was like he was just cutting great cutter off the ball by the way which i love mm. to see and i was just hitting him and he was either making layups or getting fouled and man he couldn't buy a free throw and i'm not talking about splitting i'm talking about oh two oh two oh two like he probably went one maybe three for 17 from the line it was mm. a tough day for him but it's okay we all right we'll bounce back that's tough. Uh, that actually brings up a little hypothetical that I saw on Twitter that I'd like to throw at you guys quickly. Uh, Kilkenny, one of my favorite betting Twitter accounts, proposed a question. If you could shoot 10 free throws, and if you made eight of them, you win a million dollars. Nine of them, I think two million. Ten of them, five million. If you make less than eight... Like if you make seven, you have one year in jail, six, two years in jail, five, three years in jail, so on and so forth, more and more. Would you shoot the free throws? I'll let Tristan answer first. No, because I don't I, I'm not built for jail. So I'm not even gonna try <laughs> and, and, and and play that game. No. Yeah, I'm I'm doing that. Um I'm doing it for sure. Um I'm pretty confident that I could get to eight. But even if I don't, like, that's just a year or two in jail just to better myself. Like, I'll work out. I won't have to work. Um, hopefully, like, I'm in, like, the good setting in jail, too. So, like, I got Wi-Fi on my phone. We can still do our daily episodes. Um, and I won't have any commitments, really. And I can work out every single day and hoop every single day. And, yeah, I, yeah I'd probably do jail. I'm laughing. Well, well, so Cardi, you're also six foot seven. So, they're, they're not going to mess with you. Like they they might come after me because I I because because I, I think that I would be someone they would target. I don't think they target. You do have a very soft and welcoming face, Trish. Okay. I, I agree. you're not made for jail. Uh, no. no, I am dying at the concept of like imagine we actually like get a contract offer from like Bleacher Report or somebody that matters, and we're just like, oh, sorry, Carter's in jail for two years. We're not going to be able to do this. Uh, I would shoot them for the record, and if I made my first, I'm making eight. If I miss my first, I'm in shambles, and I'm making like three. So all comes down to that first free throw. Uh, moving on, Coy says, comment, there are 17 players in the Big Ten competing for draft spots, 56 and 59. Very little pro talent, probably a lot of guys on two-way deals after going undrafted. I think that's in direct response to me saying there are 17 players in the Big Ten that fans think are getting drafted. Here's my pushback. There's 17 players in every conference competing for two-way deals. Like, Big Ten can't claim that as if that's something special or good. 
We could go to Tristan right now and ask him to go through Pitt's roster, and he can name four guys that he thinks might have a chance at a two-way deal. Like, we're not special for that. Luke Goody should never be in a conversation. No offense to Luke Goody. And I'm sorry. Like, Tyrod, it's pissing me off that people are like, oh, Ty Rodgers is a pro. Like, the dude has not done a thing on a basketball court successfully, and fans just going to fan. It's bothering me right now. Fam33 says regarding the draft, why do you guys think it's shifted so international G League recently? Feels like last three years have seen the top 10 picks get dominated by those groups when it always used to be nine to 10 college players. Tristan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, considering that most of these college guys are one and dones, and a lot of these international guys are already pros. Like, like Luca's the biggest example. He was basically a pro at 15. So that's, I think the development's a little bit different, but the, ultimately the world's caught up. On the U.S. and it's a good thing, and we're seeing it a bit in the, in the FIBA World Cup and the Olympics as well. So I, I think there, there's been sort of a, a even and out overall. I would say. Part. Yeah, I think it's just kind of honestly just a, a sign of development. Not only development, because I think like you go to development right away, obviously because uh, a lot of overseas kids start playing pro a lot early, but I think just the actual upbringing and the basketball culture is just completely different. Like there's not AAU, there's not all these events. Honestly, there's not all these like other things, to be honest. Like, I mean, nowadays you're seeing like these AAU teams that are run by like TikTok guys that are just like, I mean, they're just out there just having fun. It's just a whole different basketball world. And honestly, though it might be, say what you want about the competition, but mentality and how they approach basketball is just completely different. I think it's a little, a little bit more business-like um, with overseas prospects. So I think that might play a factor. And then obviously the way Tristan described it, I think is perfectly, I think development wise, the world's just catching up. It's an inter it's an international game now. I also think outside of the elite, elite prospects, it's almost getting the benefit of the doubt to be an international guy that there isn't as much tape on you to nitpick. Like, I think scouts are falling in love with the concept of, Oh, look at this six eleven dude who on his highlight reel for six minutes is dunking everything. Wow. When like, there's a bunch of guys who can do that in college that like, there's just full 40 minute games against competition level. We know how good it is where the guy's not a basketball player, even though he can dunk like that. So honestly, I fall victim to that. Like the Kentucky kid that we talked about, Visage, a couple weeks ago. Like I'm in love with him. I think he's incredible. He might not be able to play college basketball at all. Like he might just be a highlight tape, but I'm talking like he's a top 15 pick. So um, I feel like that's caught up as well. Keith Johnson, 32 says, what is your take on the Jim Harbaugh three game self-imposed punishment announced yesterday? Cart, what are your thoughts? I, I think it's very self-aware by him to do this and not drag it out any longer. Uh, just accept his punishment, be a Michigan man, and just, you know, serve his time. Um, it doesn't really matter. It's pointless. He's going to miss games against Albion, Sam Houston State, and Pitt. Like, this, there's no real issues <laughs> with the games that he's missing. So it's, it's, it's a whole big deal now. It's gone on for so long. It's just like, just do your three-game suspension. You're going to get three wins. It's fine. I also think whatever side of the Harbaugh, Harbaugh discourse you are on, you get this as like a reinforcement of whatever your angle is. Like if you want to make this. I, the, the only issue that I have with it is this whole self-imposed thing. It's just so annoying. Like people are like, 
God, Jen, what a man, what a guy, self-imposed, didn't have to wait for anything, just took responsibility. He didn't even like impose it. Like he, he, behind why the scenes, call, that's what I'm saying. Why are they calling it self-imposed? It was already yeah. imposed. Behind the scenes, he's pissed. But that's the point. It's like if you're on the side of like, oh, Harbaugh's gonna be out in a year, then you can use this as reinforcement of like, oh, he's pissed that Michigan did this. There's no way he's coaching next year. And then if you're on the side of like, oh, Harbaugh's never leaving, he's gonna be here for a decade. You're like, oh, well, he's getting it out of the way. This is better for long-term stability. The pro like nobody knows. It doesn't matter. Uh, I I'm so sick of the Harbaugh news cycle, to be honest. It's one thing I wish I could just totally mute from my life. Ulamog says Nick's suing Raptors, former employee for taking proprietary information with him to Toronto. Is the Knicks suing Dolan being an asshole, or is the new head coach of the Raptors just that inept? Anybody have thoughts on this one? Mm, I think it's being petty and I love it. Well, pray on your pray on the downfall of your former employees that leave you in a in a salty salty matter. I respect it. Okay, I that's fine by me. I'm good with that. Trevor Sally says, "Who is one player that could hypothetically transfer to the Big Ten and absolutely dominate this league?" Zach Eady can be included or excluded in this question. Um, how could he be? In, I'm confused how Zach Eady could be included in that. Oh, like as in he is an opponent. For whoever would transfer in, I'm a little confused on Trevor's question there, but I'm just going to take that as who's a player outside the Big Ten that if you put in the Big Ten would be dominant. Tristan, you want to go first here as an outsider? I'll, I'll go different. I would say Tyler Kolick of Marquette because I, I think the point guard situation in, in the Big Ten is a little bit questionable. And I think if you bring in a really good point guard like him, he could pretty much dominate everybody. Not named, not from Michigan State. Interesting you pick a player that we made look like Aaron Kraft last year in the head-to-head -head matchup. But, yeah, Tyler Kolick's a solid pick, I guess. Um, I would go with – I have to go with, like, someone who's a dynamic guard. I think that – I don't know. Like, we talked about when Caleb Love was going to transfer to Michigan – that just the type of guard he is, it's just not something you see in the Big Ten. I'm not picking Caleb Love, but that's the kind of the 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 type of player I'm looking to go for here. Uh no, I like I think Max Aismas could dominate in the Big Ten. I like that. I think he could. I think I just that. I would just want to argue to Carter that was it necessarily Kolick versus Hogard, or was it Izzo versus Shaka Smart? That created that matchup problem. I, would I mean, it, we can go. We can go down the list with that team if we really want to do that. But we're not gonna do that. I'm just. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. I can't believe you picked Tyler Cole, Tristan. I'm not gonna lie. That's the first black eye you're gonna have on this episode. I'm taking notes, and that's the first one I'm not letting slide. I, 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 I'm sorry. In, in my fairness, though, this is like 3 a.m. for me. So. <laughs> It's true. This is six hours uh, ahead of Tristan's normal alarm clock. So we appreciate him being here. I uh, first of all, I can't just let cart throwing Caleb love out there like that slide, uh, especially when like the whole dialogue around Michigan might get Caleb love at the time, especially between you and I was like, this is funny. He's not that good. And now it's, oh, he's a player that would have dominated the whole no, thing. No, I didn't say he like, would dominate. Uh, Greg, we talked We talked about this. We're talking about the type of guard that he is. It would be good for the Big Ten because the Big Ten doesn't really have – hasn't seen a guy like Caleb Love, like a high-volume okay. just shot chucker who can explode for 40 points. 
there, there's not that type of guy in the Big Ten, or at least hasn't done it yet. Okay. I don't think that's a guy who absolutely dominates this league. Back to Trevor's question, though. It's, it might be something you haven't seen, but are we talking who's going to dominate the league? Caleb Love's going to, that's the first name that comes to Carter Elliott's mind is Caleb Love would dominate the Big Ten. Did. That's convenient. Did uh, he would. I do. When I was trying to think of an answer for this question, I was very intrigued by the fact that the best guards in this conference for the last two years have all been transfers. And I didn't really realize that until Trevor pointed this question out. Like it was Jalen Pickett. Now it's going to be Tyson Walker. Jameer Young is in there. Um, It's kind of just been a, a series of those guys. And so it might like, it might buck conventional wisdom. Like it should be a big that you should throw in the big 10 that would dominate, but maybe it is like, a transfer guard needs to come in because the Big Ten can't recruit their own guards right now. So I like the Aismas answer. I couldn't think of a guard that I like more. Um, my natural answer, though, is Donovan Klingon. I think he is just the prototypical Big Ten big, and Michigan almost got him. It was Jawan Howard or Dan Hurley, and he chose Dan Hurley to sit behind Adama Snogo instead of sit behind Hunter Dickinson, and here we are. Is there a coach in the nation that hasn't stuffed Jawan Howard in a locker on the recruiting trail? I mean, seeing that Juwan Howard has had top 10 classes in three of his four years at Michigan, I would say probably plenty, but hey, go, go off, King. Go off, hey. King. Go off, King. I remember my first top 10 recruiting class. Uh, Coy's answer was Kyle Filipowski to that question, and uh, Trevor said he also would have said Filipowski or Marquise Noel. I like Marquise Noel, too, but he's in the NBA now. Yeah, so. and Filipowski doesn't have hips. Yeah. All right. Good day, Discord comments. Uh, I already feel the animosity between Cart and I. So if you can get Cart and I hating each other 20 minutes into an episode, then you did your job, Discord. Uh, quick, before we go to the YouTube comments, Tristan, would you mind giving a little uh, just first impression of what it's been like in the Discord for you for a week? You can shit on us and say it's not worth it if you want, or you can say it's been kind of fun. How How has it been for you? Well, it, it, it is fun because a bunch of new people that I don't normally talk to, and that's that's always that's always a, a fun thing to do because you get tired of the same boring ass people uh, in in the sports world, and and it's always fun to be part of a building community because obviously I got love for you guys and a few guys that I also know like Koi and others. So I do recommend getting into a Discord, especially entering uh, college football and basketball season. Like it, we're we're still in the dog days, so. There's not much to talk about, but literally as soon as September comes, it, it, it's going to be exciting, especially just being able to, to shit on uh, the lines up close and personal. Let's yeah. relax. Respect, <laughs> respect that Tristan uh, dash Pittsburgh <laughs> Panthers as, as you have your name in the discourse. So everybody I'm knows. proud of them now. So I so, something about Tristan's presence just brings out the confrontation in us. I like it. Um, yeah, we we got the college football newsletter dropping later this week. That'll be the first one, and then they will come weekly the rest of the season. So uh, still time to join again. Monday next week is when we're flipping and only doing Discord comments. But for today, gentlemen, uh, we do have 33 comments, I believe, to get to from last night's episode. We're obviously going a little long already. So uh, we'll do our best to fly through these. Let's jump right in. Spartan AG says, I became an Iowa fan after the Fran stare down against the ref during the comeback against MSU last year. That was epic. That was pretty epic, right, Cart? Yeah, it was. It was a great game. Austin Berserker says, Greg mentioning all of the different fan fests that he has been to and then knocking the IQ of people to go to fan fests is classic. 
Uh, yeah, no, no comment there. <laughs> Ulamog once again clipped all of the segments. We love Ulamog. Neil Stuckey says Ulamog is a real one. Truer words have never been spoken. Shout out Ulamog, Discord member. Michael K. Remen says all in on the Todd Golden slander. Also, let's roll with Michael K. Remen. Great pod as always, fellas. Thank you, Michael K. Remen. Fuck Todd Golden. Bone Man 24 says appreciate the content, fellas. As an Illinois fan, I appreciate Brad's ability to recruit high-level talent and have solid defensive transition teams. That being said, I can't stand his 30-foot-out dog shit weave. This team can't... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This team can't shoot, so our half-court offense won't be good this year, but what are your thoughts on his offensive schemes? Tristan, what are your thoughts on Brad Underwood's offense? Um, interesting. I, 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 it, it, it's basically just let your, your, your top guys cook, whether it's AO, Terrence, I, the concern is whether or not it gets easily figured out in March. Like it, 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 it sometimes it, it can be a problem and I don't know what they're going to do this year because it's basically running it back. What happened last year and Maybe Dre Gibbs Lockhorn can, can can be that guy at point. I don't think it's Ty Rogers personally, but it, it'll be interesting. I think Underwood is a good coach overall, but am I necessarily, if I'm doing a draft, am I picking him in the, the, the top 10 picks for X's and those guys? Not, not really. Hart? I'm still dying at, 30 foot, 30 foot dog shit we off. And that's, that's the funniest thing I heard in a while. Uh, but I mean, I kind of agree with Tristan, to be honest with you. It just seems that they haven't really figured things out on that. End. And it looks really great when you have guys like Iowa and Kofi just being those guys you just go through. It's pretty easy. You don't really need to be an X and O guy when you have an NBA guard and an all American dominant physical and just imposing his will type big. Uh, but you gotta do something. You gotta do things a little bit differently. Um, but luckily, this team loves each other, so that's that's bigger than any X or O that could be said, and, and that's gonna go a lot farther than people think. Kumbaya in Champagne. Uh, yeah, I just want to say quickly my thoughts. Brad, to me, will always be a personnel-based offense guy, and I don't mean that as an insult. Like I think there are a lot of coaches in the country that their offense comes down to their personnel more than it does X's nose. Like in my opinion, Matt Painter's offense does or John Beeline's offense used to do. Those guys were geniuses and whoever you put in their lineup, we're going to run good offense. Uh, Brad needs to get great players that are versatile and do different things. This year's team has a lot of different options. I don't think they know who their options are and they're still seeking their identity. Last year's team's identity was Matthew Meyer step backs and Terrence Shannon tunnel vision. So, yeah, the offense is pretty ugly when those are your best two players. This year, they need to have other guys be their best two players somehow. Other, We know Shannon's going to be Shannon, but that's why I'm a little fearful when people are like, Shannon's going to run point. If Shannon's running point, he's going to put his head down and try to bulldoze you, which leads to some ugly offense. So, long story short, might help if they got a point guard. Might help if they got some personnel. Uh, and if they do, I think his offense will look better. David Crute says the Keith Smart shot to win the Natty in 87 is the shot in IU history. But in the last 20 years, you are correct. Card, do we acknowledge anything pre the last 20 years? I don't acknowledge anything before I was born. Okay. I kind of figured that was your stance. So uh, apparently anything pre-1993 didn't happen. Well, I mean, I'm glad that Keith Smart hit a shot playing against plumbers. Apollo Barkley says Tyler Griffey hit the Indiana shot. 
do you care card? <laughs> no. Blake Brockman, 2131, says the thing about the watch shot drama. From an IU fan's perspective, a lot of Kentucky fans and also some Purdue fans reprimanded me on Twitter for IU's recreation of the watch shot being not appropriate code of conduct for a quote-unquote blue blood, celebrating a 10-plus-year-old shot from, as they like to call it, a meaningless regular season game in December. Cart and I talked about this yesterday. We mostly thought this wasn't an issue. Tristan, what did, what are your thoughts? I feel like you thought this was incredibly lame and you have an issue with it. Uh, I mean, it was just an easy, slow pitch fastball for Kentucky fans just to get get at you. Like that, that, that would be my biggest thing is why give Kentucky easy ammo to come at you like that? It's like it, it's it, it's a nice moment, but it would have felt more if it wasn't in front of like what a few hundred people in the event. Like it, it, it it's more cheesy than anything. I don't care whether or not you're blue blood if you want to do things like that to reminisce, but. I, I just wouldn't have just gave something that's so easy for Kentucky fans to slammer me for. Does does Kentucky only care about this because they were the loser in that game? Or like would Kentucky care about this if Indiana was doing this from a game where they beat Purdue? They only care about it because it was them. Okay. I just care like I didn't realize like fan bases hate Indiana like this. Like I guess Purdue makes sense to me, but I I don't get why Kentucky even cares about this. But I guess Kentucky will care about anything. Strong fan base. Well, isn't um, Kentucky and Indiana still beefing because they refuse to now play each other? So now anytime they're both in the news, the others is going to take a swipe at them? Yeah. I guess. I, there's a lot of, I think, rivalries across the country that I'm less aware of than I should be. That includes Kentucky, Indiana. That includes Illinois, Iowa. Just a lot. A lot. I don't really pick up the pulse of. I got to get in on this. Uh, Campologist says, what was really cool is Kentucky beating the heck out of IU in the tourney on the way to a national championship. That is pretty cool. Congrats, Kentucky fans. That that boy from Illinois says, I'm almost certain the Orange Crush will not have access to the Kansas game. Similar to the winter break games, I expect the courtside seats will go to the highest bidders, especially because it's a charity event. It should be a good crowd, but I don't expect a conference game atmosphere. Uh, Yeah, I've uh, other people in other comments on the other video said the opposite of this. They said it would be included in Orange Crush tickets. I think the moral of the story here is nobody knows. And my instinct here would be that it would go to the highest bidder it's a charity event if illinois wants to raise money letting all of their students attend this is not the best way to raise money even if that would be the best atmosphere for a game so we'll see brandon snyder says any illini fans on here have any pull with administration if so get sleepers media passes for the game having show live from legends or cams would be nice uh we should be able to get to this game if we want to appreciate that brandon um, certainly anyone who has connections could help us with that, but I think it's more a logistics issue on our end of if we can make it work than, um, getting access to it with that said cart legends or cams, which one would legends. you rather do a show from legends? Legends. Yep. Legends for sure. I feel like our cams experience got ruined by the Jaguars though. Yeah, that was tough. That was really that was tough. Extremely tough. Could have been an iconic night, but instead we had to sit in that booth with Drake playing and have our hearts get ripped out. Steve Prio says, gentlemen, a long time watcher, first time commenter. First of all, Steve, love to see you here. Greg might have told you this before, but what's the story uh, behind the jerseys in your background? Marquette front and center is intriguing. So I'm just a jersey connoisseur. Like I, I think I have roughly 85 jerseys and 90% of them are college basketball. 
been collecting them since like high school days. My whole stance on that was I wanted my firstborn child to have the greatest throwback jersey collection of all time. So I uh, hope my daughter's going to love these one day. We'll see. Maybe she hates college basketball and is just like, Dad, you gross. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not a Marquette fan or anything. I just put my favorite jerseys on the wall because I like the way they look. So uh, that's a Darius Johnson Odom, which I think for my money is the best looking college basketball jersey of all time. We got Jalen Suggs, Gonzaga, because you hit a shot like that, you're going to hit the wall. Mello, uh, that's a Malik Monk, Kentucky, Gordon Hayward, Butler. Pretty versatile group of jerseys behind me here. Love it. Darius Johnson Odom's one of my favorite college basketball players, honestly, of all time, I think. He was just fun to watch. That Marquette era was a very fun era. A lot of guys yeah. I loved on those teams. Jamar Butler also shot out him. Uh, Tysius White says we should be called the Sleepwalkers. I think that would be a dope name. We asked people for a name of our Sleepers community or Sleepers Discord, whatever you want to call it. Do you like Sleepwalkers, Cart? I do if it's not spelled with a Z and not to nitpick it. I don't like walkers with a Z. Mm. Okay. We can keep thinking on this a little bit. I feel like we might be onto something. Uh, Adam Luger is in the comments. He says, hey, fellas, been listening to the show for a few weeks now. Great stuff. Two questions for you. A lot of mouths to feed on MSU this year. Someone is likely to be upset with playing time. Who's most likely to transfer after the season? And then two, good game tonight, Carter. Was Arrington's block on you clean? <laughs> yes, the block was very clean, but they owed me calls. So when you when you get the respect of you know, players in your uh, and comrades in your league. Sometimes you get those calls. You earn those calls. I'm a veteran. I need those calls. <laughs> You're out here getting superstar calls. In it's not superstars calls because I'm not that guy. But you also got to respect me. There's some calls that I get that other players don't get, and that's how it should be. Okay. Um, but to answer the Michigan State question, the one player that I could see transferring, um, and this might come as a surprise for some of the discourse that I've seen from Michigan State fans as of late. Uh, would be Trey Holloman. Uh, and this is not me wanting Trey Holloman to transfer. Like Greg has stated on some other podcasts, Trey Holloman could be that 12th, 13th guy on the team who plays sparing minutes and is like okay with that role. You don't really see that type of guy nowadays in college basketball. But as far as the log jam and looking down in the future, you know, getting some other guards we have in recruiting classes and guys that might come back, he would be like the odd guy out minutes wise. And I wouldn't blame him for wanting to go somewhere else and play a lot more. So for me, it'd be Trey Holloman. Um, I think that's who I would go with. I have four names that can I rank them from most to least likely cart. If, if one of them is Jay Nake is, I'm not allowing it. I have three names. Can I rank them from <laughs> most to least likely? <laughs> All right, but quickly, Trey Holloman is most likely just because he's going to get lost in the shuffle. Although, I will say, there's a really high likelihood that Trey Holloman just will never leave. Like, as long as they keep letting him wear the number five jersey and a headband, he's just happy to cosplay as Cassius Winston. Um, two, I think in the front court, you could see a change. Um, I don't think Carson Cooper will ever leave because I don't think Carson Cooper expects minutes anywhere. I do think Jackson Kohler, if he gets beat out by Mahdi and Xavier Booker and Carson Cooper, would be like, what am I doing here? Like, if I'm just not playing and I'm a West Coast kid, this this isn't for me. So big year for Jackson in that sense. I hope it doesn't happen. Uh, three, I do think there's a world where Garrick Norman, just same thing, like maybe gets homesick and he's not in the rotation. Um, hope that doesn't happen because I love Garrick Norman. And four is the one Carter alluded to. If he's if he's totally off the NBA radar after this season again and has to play college again, 
I, I'm just saying. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But I, I mean, I agree with those. Like, I could obviously, I want Jackson to stay, but there's a world where Jackson's playing at Utah State in a couple of years. And same with Norman. And and I want to call my shot. If he did do it, it would be like TCU or SMU. That's where I, he would I like all of this. Rota Varp says four to five days without a bowel movement. That's insane. Most people poop every day, including me. Yeah, I'm different. Okay. I'm built different. It's mind over matter. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a functional, insane mutant human being. Matt Naka says, that's not how the crush works. We just line up six to eight hours before the conference games and two to four hours before the non-con games in order to be one of the first 700 ish in the lower bowl. Uh, the Kansas game starts at 5 PM. I'll probably get in line around eight or 9 AM. That's good to know. Good Intel. Thank you, Matt, for sharing. Uh, I still like, unless there's been formal communication from Illinois basketball that this is going to be honored with orange crush, just like first come first serve. I'm still a little skeptical. That's how it will play out. Neil Stuckey says, I think TSJ and Hawkins will get drafted, but I don't see either being anything other than a rotational player at best. I've said, I believe that Ty is a jump shot away from being a first round pick and stay by that. But without one, I doubt he gets drafted. And then he says, DGL is potential goodie. I love, but agrees not an NBA player cart. You are seven inches of height away from being a lottery pick. I don't really process that the way I should, so I'm going to take it as disrespect. Um, but, you know, I was going to say something along the lines of, like, you know, if I lose 25 pounds, I'll be shirtless next summer. But, like, that's not happening. So, like, why are we just throwing out hypotheticals? Yeah, I, like, people just, act like it's so easy to get a jump shot. This dude, This dude is, like, as far away from having a jump shot as you can be. I will say this. There's nothing more that pisses me off than a, a college basketball player with endless like facilities and resources who goes their whole college career without improving or getting a respectable jumper. That's insane. You have way too many resources at your fingertips to not get a respectable jumper. Go to the gym. Shoot. I don't know. Like if Ben Simmons, he's a jump shot away from being the greatest NBA player of all time. Like it, guys don't always just get jumpers. Like this guy's a horrible shooter who doesn't even shoot. And we're like, Oh, he's just a jumper away. Like, ah, Neil, I love you. But, I don't like it. I don't like that phrasing. Brett Abke says, remind me when Kenny Goins comes to the Brez and they let him shoot a three from the top of the key. I wouldn't mind if that happens. Are you you going to that? Yeah. Why not? (laughs) I don't know. It's a fan fest. Slothy one says, you didn't reference at all that it's Bill Self's first return since leaving Illinois. Um, I went back and listened. We did say that at the top. We just didn't spend like a lot of time fleshing out that element of this, but we definitely acknowledged it. Should we have spent more time? Like, does is that a big part of this, Tristan? Like, Bill Self is back in Champaign? Uh, not really, because it's the game that doesn't matter. So I I don't care as much. Like, if they if they scheduled an on-con game, that would have been better. But I'll take I'll take any uh, action before the start of the season. It'll be interesting storyline. I'm more interested in Hunter returning to Illinois, if anything, than Bill Self, because I don't believe that there's any animosity between those sides. Can I make a prediction? I, I don't know where this came from, Card. I'm sorry, but I just, I'm thinking this through right now because I love Bill Self, and like I loved Bill Self when he was at Illinois back in the day. I think he's the best coach in the country right now. Um I could see Brad Underwood following the Bill Self path one day. And like going to Kansas? Mm-hmm. Mm. Like I 
I think there's a little like protege understudy element to this between Bill Self and Brad Underwood. Mm. Tristan, tell me if I'm wrong because I feel like you know this. Isn't like Norm Roberts going to be the next coach in Kansas, or is he just a lifelong assistant? I don't. I don't think that the 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 fan base would be okay with that. He he's he he doesn't have that kind of juice to be picked. I, I think if it's not a, a former assistant from somewhere else, then it might be the biggest name possible that I think Kansas would go to because they can, they can get anyone that, yeah, I, I would argue though, is Underwood the best option for Kansas? Like I, I'd like the problem I'm going to have with Underwood is that he's really good at bringing in names, but the rosters just don't ultimately fit. And he's won enough to get, to get credit and respect, but you, you have to bring in the pieces that'll make it all work. Like even the Remy Martin experiment, didn't work 75% of the time, but for the 25% it did, they won a title off. And that that's why Bill, Bill Self is who he is. So I kind of want to see Underwood sort of have his own breakthrough moment. We talk about Matt Painter when it comes to March, but Underwood, he, he's getting up there because he has some really good teams and, and he hasn't had, he hasn't had his moment. He just needs the breakthrough. Like that's he, he needs the one breakthrough. We say it with all the coaches in the country that haven't done it yet. They're like they're one run away. And Brad, I've I've said this multiple times. Illinois is due for some positive luck in March, not just with like wins and losses, but like they've gotten some very tough draws pretty much every NCAA tournament they've had in the last five years. Um, I think they're due for just like the total cupcake draw where it's like they just got to show up, be themselves. And even if it's not their best team, they make like an elite eight or something. And that would flip. Uh, Brad was rumored when the Texas opening midseason was a thing last year. Brad was rumored in that. So I think we could see it real, real, real quickly. Uh, Greg, uh, do you think Michigan makes the trip to Champaign like to watch Hunter and support him? Like maybe grab a bus and go watch him. Juwan loves Hunter. I don't understand where where you're coming from. I don't understand where you're coming from on this. I'm just asking. You see, uh, I don't know if Michigan has enough funds in the basketball budget to pay for twelve tickets to a charity event. To be honest with you, Uh, Clayton is in the comments. He says, "Honestly, I love my Illini, but I do think we are left wanting." Let's be honest. We have been staking top 20 recruiting classes for several years. And the one year we didn't, we brought in Kofi. What do we have to show for it? A quote share of a big 10 title and a big 10 tourney win. Good. Yes. Especially after the downturn prior to daddy Brad, but I can't help but feel my team has underachieved. Is that too harsh Carter? I think it's a little bit too harsh to be honest. Like it's just winning a big 10 title and hanging a banner is something that a lot of teams in the big 10, I think would be extremely happy with and content with. And for at least a short amount of time after that, and that was not too long ago that that happened to be honest. And I think even across the country, other coaches, if they won, let's say the SEC or the ACC, it would carry a little bit more weight than what I think Illinois fans let it carry weight for them, for their team. So, I mean, it's, it's part of the fan base and their mentality. I just think they're pretty, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to use the word spoiled or something like that, but just like they're just, they always want more. They're extremely greedy. Um, So it's, you know, it is what it is though. It's hard to see the big picture as fans. Like when, uh, during beeline era, before they had the first title game appearance, they lost to Ohio in the first round. I mean, every, every fan at that time was like, beeline's never going to do anything deep. 
just wasn't going to happen. And then a year later, snap your fingers. Here you are. Fast forward five more years. Everybody wanted him fired again because Andrew Dockich was in the starting lineup for like a full season. And it was like the game has passed him by. No, I'll give it two more years. He's in the title game. Like at some point, March runs cover up a lot of this. And if you don't make them, it gets harder to defend you. But Brad Underwood's regular seasons have been pretty much at the top of the Big Ten, like right there with Purdue and right there with Michigan State over the last five years. Honestly, better than Michigan State for the last five years. So they got to get it going in March, though. Lucas F. says, you're such a cutie Greggy poo. You make me want to donate to a local church. Yeah, you got to pay if you're going to make comments like that. Tristan, how should I feel about that comment? I mean, the church gets the money, so that that's that's that, that's you know that that's what matters. You know, you know, praise the Lord that you're good looking and, and that you can that you can you know help those in need. If we just eliminated the first half of that comment, this might be my favorite comment. Of, like, Greg, you make me want to donate to a local church. Is one of the no, funniest no, things I've ever read. Thing. Oh, uh, speaking of speaking of runs, I need to make a quick run to get my charger because I forgot to put it on the lap. <laughs> Go ahead, Tristan. For the next thirty seconds. Go ahead, Tristan. What a what? Look, you you can't even keep the kid on a show, man. Come on, this is this is the problem with Tristan Freeman. And by the way, my final response to Lucas, uh, I am Knuff. Never forget that. Kennedy is through the roof this morning. Autistic berserker. I don't know about that username. Says Hunter not playing would be the most dick insin move ever. If he can't show up for charity, he doesn't deserve to be mentioned ever again. With that said, I put the odds of him playing at 1%. It's higher than that. It's higher than that. But there is a world where he does not play. Yeah. What What? What do you think percent is? Like 50? You said you think he doesn't play. So would you say it's higher than 50% chance he doesn't play? To be honest with you, I know it's for charity. I really do. But like Kansas is one of the perennial favorites in the country this year. It would be absolutely – all you want out of this game, no wins, losses. You want both teams to exit this game exactly how they came in. Like, you know how I always say, say happy and healthy? I truly mean that with this game because if, like, this charity event causes an injury to either team and, like, that derails their season, that would be catastrophic. It would ruin, it would ruin the season. I just hope everyone has fun and stays healthy. <laughs> we that's say that's that for literally years. what this is. Honestly, when you think about it, Cart, every basketball game is just such a risk. In my opinion, like if I'm Jaden Akins, such a bright NBA future, I would just, I wouldn't play. It's too much of a risk. He should just stay healthy and happy and waltz the NBA. So should honorable mention Tyson Walker, uh, honorable mention AJ Hogard, honorable mention Malik Hall. So. Um, you know what Tr- Tristan's in hell right now yeah Tristan but, claims he can't hear us Tristan that's just you're gonna have to figure that out my friend I mean we are mid-episode at this point it's on you uh we'll, we'll, we're here to support you as best we can but this is on you my friend moving on Jeff Parks says I am aging myself but if anyone mentions the Indiana shot the only one that would pop in my head is the Keith Smart corner jumper to win the national title we don't acknowledge that cart no okay moving on uh, Clayton's back. He says, I have Iowa season tickets and Tony Perkins either has 25 points or three points. He's way too inconsistent, in my opinion, to be a top level Big Ten guy. Questioning Clayton's Illinois fanhood if he has season tickets to Iowa. You can't have season tickets to the rival team. 
I'm more concerned that we didn't see Clayton when we were in Iowa City. Like, this is our pen pal. We've shared so many email exchanges with Clayton and his family, and we can't get an invite when we're in Iowa City. Clayton, come on. You're supposed to take us out to dinner. Show us the spots. Uh, Berserker's back again. He says, older Illinois fans are quite petty regarding Bill Self's departure from Illinois, and the students get in free, so I expect there to be significant energy. Uh, There's five paragraphs in this comment. It's a really well-thought-out comment about what he thinks is going to happen between Kansas and Illinois. So thank you, Berserker. Um, but that's a long comment. We're going to move on. Clayton is back again. A triple dip for Clayton today. Love good teams. Uh, don't play five guards unless you are Illinois and have only quasi guards and quasi wings. So you play all 13 guys, especially while fans get frustrated. Watch the, I don't understand what that's saying. Uh, Clayton, if you're going to leave three comments, my man, can we get some punctuation? <laughs> that, would, that would help us a little bit. I think that's about Iowa when I said they're going to play five guards. Um, still think it might happen. Kevin Deaton is back. He says Carter is right about Kentucky. They haven't been trying to win with 18 year olds recently. Cal went older and it didn't work as well. I understand Kentucky has been down for the better part of the last three years by Kentucky standards. And that happened with older players, but that doesn't mean Alabama is dominating because they've won the league two of the past three years. Uh, I don't know that, man, I don't know that we ever said Alabama's dominating. We just said like right now, Alabama's at the top of the league because they were the best team in the country last year. Like they were at the top of the country. That's not a shot at Kentucky. That's this is the best team in the country. And Nate Oates is doing that. Like, am I crazy on that cart? No, I just think it's just like, if you go ask 20 people on the street who are, you know, maybe, you know, for a fact, watch college basketball or college basketball fans somewhat. And you ask them the best team in the sec. They're, they're saying Alabama. Right now, basketball wise, it's just it's just it's how it's gone the past couple of years and looking back to most recently last year. So, you know, you got to give them some respect. You can't just let the Kentucky name ride forever. Like I respect what they have done. and I still respect Kentucky as a basketball team and things like that. But, you know, Bama's doing some things and, uh, you know, Kentucky lost to St. Peter's with National Player of the Year. Like that happened, by the way. So. But I just I think that's a different conversation. Like I don't think we're having that conversation. Like if we're having the conversation of like who does the league run through, then in, like I'm still talking about Kentucky, but we're not. We just made a pass. No, the, no, the league runs through the league runs through Bama right now. But that's <laughs> I'm just saying that's a totally different conversation. Like I would disagree with you and argue that. Like Kentucky deserves mention in that. Just we made a passing comment that said Alabama's atop the SEC. And that's when people are pushing back, being like, no, the league still runs through Kentucky. Like, yeah, but, 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 gee, what do I, what, but what do I always say about like teams that are the big dogs, are the big dogs until they get knocked off? Purdue's the best team in the Big Ten this year until someone proves me otherwise, because they were last year. I'm still feeling the same way about Bama. Yes, obviously they lose Brandon Miller. That's definitely a factor. But at the same time, you know, you got to knock the big dogs off if you want to be that guy. They're, they're that team. Okay, Tristan, I uh, I believe you can hear us again. One word answer, please. Who does the SEC run through, Alabama or Kentucky? Bama. One word answer. Thank you, Steve Dunn. Says, guys, maybe you can help me out. Back in the 2008 season, Kentucky visited the Breslin Center in a weird non-conference game. Sparty put it on them hard. The weird thing is it's as if the game has been washed from the internet. I can't even find a 30-second couple of highlights from SportsCenter back then. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I wonder why it never gets brought up as a Breslin Center memory. You remember that at all, Cart? I do not, to be honest with you. I, like, have this vague vision of it almost, but, like, 
I don't remember much about the game. I I do not remember that at all, to be honest. Hmm. Yeah, I'm like Googling to see if there is. He's right. Everything's been pretty much washed from the internet. Kentucky fans, man, they'll do anything. Oh, wait, here we go. This might be it. Um, No, this it wasn't at the Brez. This was in the Sweet 16. I don't know. This game may not have happened, Steve. We'll try (laughs) and think about it. Final question. Uh, Your master says, is sleepers going to go to the Illinois-Kansas game? Carter, are we going? We are going. More to come. All right, thanks, YouTube comments. Three more episodes. You get to comment, and we'll read every single one. Please join the Discord. Now I'm just begging but please please join get over there i think we are up to like 23 paid members right now and again if we get to 50 then i'm ecstatic then we're going to be rocking the community's growing and it's in a good spot three topics we want to get to today i want to start with one that comes from my friends at the field of 68 i don't know who tweeted this by the way because i technically like quote unquote run our socials like i would say most of what you see on social media is either something that i posted or one of our awesome producers posted But anyway, somebody yesterday tweeted just a simple question. What player is the biggest threat to Zach Eady for National Player of the Year? And then Goodman retweeted it like 30 seconds later, which makes me think Goodman might have posted this himself. Like Goodman's just like hypothesizing. No no chance. I don't know. He has the login. And like that wouldn't be like a me or Rob move to just like tweet a question out of nowhere. I don't know. I, I have a theory that it was Goodman that did it. Anyways. It got me thinking because I do like the question. Like, could someone steal this from Zach Eady? We rarely see back-to-back national player of the years. Uh, we saw Shibway have an opportunity to win it last year, and he was not even in the conversation. So there's a lot of routes you could go with this. You could go the guard that Tristan said earlier in the show. But who is the biggest threat to Zach Eady to win national player of the year? Tristan, let's throw it to you first. Yeah, I responded to that yesterday by saying uh, Kyle Filkowski's hips because that's clearly going to determine whether or not he he's viable for it. Because if you're going to beat Zach Eady, you have to be on a top three caliber team, national title aspirations, and there has to be some kind of narrative. And it, it's been a minute since a Duke player has been in, in the national player. Well, not necessarily a minute because Bancaro was in it, but a, a team that can, can, can truly win it all, be your clear best player. I'm personally not on the Tyrese Proctor train. I, I think he's getting way, way too much hype. And I think Phil Powski is going to be the clear best player for them if healthy. And you mentioned before about Evie and Tsebway. I think the roster that Oscar was on last year was not fit for him, for, for him or the team to succeed. Because quite frankly, if you have severe wheelers, you're starting point guard, you're not going to be a, be a true title contender. I think Edie's roster fits them perfectly. They're going to be, my personal opinion, they should be the consensus number one team to enter next year. Like I, I do think that they're better than Kansas or Duke. So he should be the clear favorite, and he's going to put up the numbers. But if there's anyone that can that can touch him, it might be Phil Powski if he averages like 20 and 8 next year for a one-seed Duke. Hart? Uh, so – you know, there's like a couple of like narratives, I guess, or like guidelines you got to have with this. Um, you got to have the team success, I feel like. You got to have the accolades. Um, and then you obviously got to have the numbers, you know, all things that Zach Eady did last year and was honestly kind of able to rival what Shiba did the year before. Now, when you look at it that way, my initial reaction was a player like 
Klingon or a player like Dickinson being able to have the numbers, have the team success and, you know, be able to, you know, uh, have all the accolades, I think. So I'm going to lean Klingon just because I think that they're going to feature him uh, a little bit more than than Dickinson is going to be featured with Kansas uh, necessarily. I think Kansas has some other pieces and I think the ball is going to be in Dewan Harris's hands a lot. Um, I feel like with UConn, they're really going to honestly pound it to Klingon a lot. And I think he has the ability to play major minutes. And if you want to do like the storyline factor of it, it would literally be the same thing as like Zach Eady. Like uh, Klingon plays behind Sonogo, who's a good player in his own right. Eady was playing behind some good players in his own right. He finally gets featured. People have questions about Klingon. Will he look like this in the major minutes or is he like a per 40 stats type guy? And he comes on, he comes onto the scene and he plays really well. He has an established point guard in Tristan Newton that will help him out, make things easier for him. I love the freshman Castle. I think he could be one of the better guards in the country, you know, obviously evident by his rankings and when you look at, you know, NBA mock draft boards. So I, I think I lean Klingon in this one, and it'd be good to see the bigs continue to dominate the national player of the year while the guards get all the, the love. Card, I love your answer. I love when we agree because Donovan Klingon is my answer. And if we're answering the question, like, who is the biggest threat to Zach Eady? Uh, my my honest response to that is nobody. I think this award is Zach Eady's as long as he's healthy and plays this season. I don't see a world where he falls out of the conversation the way Oscar Shibway did. He's too good. Purdue is too centered around him. They're not going to switch things up personnel-wise. He's going to do what he did last year, if not better. Uh, the, the bigger threat might be if Matt Painter doesn't care about the regular season, as Cart has hypothesized. Like There is a world where Painter's just like, you know what? Everybody's seen Zach Eady. He's unselfish enough. He's getting paid a little bit. He can play 25 minutes a game this year. Let's keep him healthy and get TKR some minutes because he looks really good. Like that might happen. And if that happens, then um, it does open the door for some other guys. But I'll be honest, guys, going up and down the list of like the betting favorites for the Wooden Award, um, I don't think there's many guys who have any chance to win this other than Klingon, like for all the reasons Cart just said, like here's the betting favorites that aren't Zach Eady. And I'm just going to give my one sentence reason why I don't think they can win. Kyle Filipowski, too many mouths to feed at Duke and injury issues. Hunter Dickinson. He's Hunter Dickinson. Armando Baycott. He's Armando Baycott. Like, I'm sorry, two guys that we haven't seen take strides individually in the last four years, even though they've been supposed to on mediocre teams are going to suddenly be the national player of the year. I'm selling that Max A. Smith is the one I could maybe squint and see, but I'm not super confident Ace-Miss is going to like have the freedom to be the engine of that offense. Like It might be run through Tyrese Hunter, and there's a lot of other talented guys around him. Uh, Umar Balo, no disrespect to Umar Balo. I'm not confident he's even the best player on Arizona. Tyler Kolick, come on, what are we doing? Caleb Love, again, what are we doing? Like I'm, I'm just, I'm not seeing all of this uh, anywhere other than Donovan Klingon, who is the exact recipe that we saw with Zach E last year. And I think even the three of us, I think would agree on this. Klingon is going to be the first big drafted in the NBA if he wants to go, right? Like, is there somebody I'm, he's the most talented big in the country. Uh, you really hate Indiana, don't you? Who who from Indiana is going to be drafted before Klingon? Oh, Kiel Ware. Eh, we hope, right? Like, we hope that happens. Oh, no, he will be. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. I forgot. Uh, is Zach Perrin still on Illinois? He's going to be drafted, too. 
I just, I think Klingon's the recipe, right? Like, do you guys push back hard on anything I just said? Like, is there anybody that I ran through names wise who you think could, could happen, Tristan? No, I mean, honestly, it's probably going to be a transfer that just, that just blossoms out of nowhere on a new team that probably does it. Cause there's going to be guys who put up stats on average teams. Like if, if Baycott goes for 20 and 14 and UNC rises to somehow a top 10 team, that could be a narrative statement that potentially puts them in the mix because then it's like, okay, UNC is finally a final four contender again. Baycott puts up absurd numbers because he really can. And if you, if you want to talk about narrative, I, not to be trolling, but if Kansas is the number one team in the country and Dickinson puts up 18 and eight and, and, and people are going to compare him to Edie automatically because of the big 10 connection, it there's, there could be a chance that, that he, he gets in there but ultimately, the problem I think with Klingon is I can make a case that UConn finishes third or even fourth in the Big East because that, that conference is loaded at the top. Marquette brings back just about everyone, and I think that uh, David Joplin's going to replace Omax offensively just fine. Creighton was a top-five team, if you excuse when Ryan Colfrono was sick last year. They were, they were legitimately one of the best teams in the country, and assuming Stephen Ashford replaces Ryan Emhart at point guard, they're going to be in the mix again. And then, you know, I, I did a piece yesterday when it comes to top transfer classes and St. John's is number one. I mean, how good can Rick Pitino have them early on? Like there, there's a chance that UConn takes a slight step back because, you know, we're going to miss Adamus Sonogo because obviously Klingon's going to be the top draft prospect. But Sonogo was a was a 20 and 8 guy consistently. And there's a chance that you may not get that kind of consistent offensive production from Klingon, and it, and it could cause UConn to take a slight step back. And plus, they're not going to be as hungry next year. Like there, there, there's going to be there's going to be an emotional step back, unless Stephon Castle is really that dude coming in and just lights it up. I got two long shots I'd sprinkle. One of them came to my mind when Tristan just talked about his team. I'd sprinkle Kalkbrenner. Uh, I think there's a chance, especially narratively that if Creighton is really good again, like top five in the country, good for parts of the season, you could make the twist of like, they lost Kaluma and they lost Nemhard and these guys abandoned Calc and Calc got better and Creighton got better. And I think that would be something voters could gravitate to. Uh, he's also really good, like 16 and six last year and probably the best defensive center in the country. Like there is a world where I feel like that jumps up to like 19 and eight with three or four blocks, like yeah, it could be the best one in the country. And two, Cart, tell me if I'm crazy on this one. If you want to sprinkle a Kansas player, isn't the value Dewan Harris? Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. And if I could bet on the Koozie Award, I I think you get pretty good odds on Dewan Harris too. Yeah. I mean, we need to see if he can like actually up the scoring numbers, but he had a couple games in the overseas thing that Kansas was that, that he was. Uh, it, you're talking about sprinkling guards. Is uh, Tyson Walker worth a sprinkle at all? Um, I just think it's hard because I think like Tyson, if Michigan State's really good, can land on first team All American team for sure. Just doing the numbers he did last year, I don't see how he makes a jump to best player in the country numbers as long as AJ Hogard is the the leader of the offense, right? Like. It's just hard. Like if if in a world where AJ was not on the floor, then Tyson would have to do everything and his numbers would reflect that. But Tyson's job is almost like it's too easy for him 
as is playing next to such a good passing point guard for him to be considered the best player in the country. Uh, no, go ahead, Tristan. I will say, Greg, are you sprinkling anything on Antonio Reeves? You, you cooled off on him yet? <laughs> uh, I don't think Kentucky – well, I have Kentucky the top five team in the country. I guess they could be good enough. I don't know. I think he I, could lead the country in scoring, but I don't think he can win national player of the year. I do want to say one thing, and I'm not trolling at all when I say this. There actually is some value in Caleb Love. There truly is. That's so ridiculous. There is. There's not any. There's not any good. The, the guard play in the Pac-12 is not going to be that good. Yeah, Isaiah Collins. He's a type of player who could actually get hot for an extended period of time. Arizona could be really good, and if they're picking like the best player from one of the better teams in the country, from a guy who could average, who could maybe not on great numbers, but he could average twenty points. I see a world where that could be worth it. I know you hate it. I you know came you. on. You came on the show a week ago and said USC has the best backcourt in the country, and now there's no good guards in the Pac-12. I mean, that's a lot on Isaiah Collier. That's one team. Okay. I mean, I just. I I would argue Arizona averages 90 points a game in the top with Tommy Lloyd and Jaden Bradley can't score and Omar Barlow is not a a score without Tabellis. Someone's going to have to do be that 20 point per game score. And look, I, I'm I'm with Carter. I think Caleb Love got way too much blame for what happened in North Carolina last year. And I'm kind of tired of the fact that RJ Davis just skates by with nothing. Like, there's, like there, there's some equal blame there. So I wouldn't be surprised. And if you want to talk about a narrative statement, Caleb Love leaves Hubert Davis, goes, goes to Tommy Lloyd and becomes that incredibly efficient 20-point-per-game score in Arizona as a top-five team again. I I that would be that would be a nice little redemption arc. So I, I don't hate the Caleb Love pick at all. Who do we think Tommy Lloyd is? Like he's not Christian Bale in the prestige. He's not a miracle worker. Like I, I, did, did he not just help Kirkisa get a big bag in West Virginia? And you think that Caleb Love could score 20 a game efficiently? Why not? Who's guarding him? I mean, we're not, we're not saying he's going to shoot like have we're not going to say he's going to shoot like forty eight percent from the field, but like if he averages twenty points and shoots like forty two percent from guys, the field. guys. Like Kirk Creasa was about as good as an inefficient guard can be at Arizona, and he was horribly inefficient. That was probably the largest. Caleb loves Arizona a lot better great. than Kirk Creasa. I don't know that he is. He, no, <laughs> like, he is. Okay, I guess we'll see. Overseas, Caleb Love shot two for nineteen from three and came off the bench. But yeah, special. Let's, Bet him national player of the year. Jeez. Get it out of the system. I, why? What are we doing? What are we doing? I sort of sprinkle. Yeah, like I said, he was my pick. Next week, we're going to do a list of guards that I would sprinkle before I would sprinkle Caleb Love. Okay. There's three of them in Arizona's roster that would come to mind. Let's move on. I'm grumpy now. Leah, Leah has emerged. I, I kept waiting as many probably fans of teams across the country kept waiting. Who's who's the late ad, right? Who are you going to lock in on when your team has two open scholarships and you're desperate? Who's the random overseas guy this year? Well, now it's Leah Leah. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. I think in some of the videos I watched that had uh, other language speaking announcers, they called him Leah Leah. So I'm just not going to attempt that. Don't blame me if I'm botching this. But uh, Argentinian forward slash center. I watched as much tape as I could watch on him in the last day uh, because Michigan is after him as our Providence. The early reports are that those are the two schools in consideration here. But obviously other teams can emerge and this could go anywhere. Uh, he looks pretty good. 
He's a guy that supposedly is quote unquote on NBA radar, not a guy that's like an automatic one and done or will get drafted this year. But from what I've seen, it's backed up. Like he has the physical frame and the athletic gifts of a guy that I think would be on NBA radars as far as international prospects go. Um, what are your first impressions? Let's throw it to cart first on this one. Is this a guy one should Michigan like do everything in their power to get him? And two, would he really move the needle for wherever he ends up next year? Yeah, I do think that uh, it's someone that Michigan certainly should get. And I don't even think it's like a, um, just to put it in Michigan State terms, I don't think it's like a, we're in a desperate situation. We'll add anybody. So let's add like Carson Cooper and not to disrespect Carson Cooper, but Carson Cooper's offer list was besides the layoff from Michigan State, it was like Vermont and some other small like American schools. I think that this kid can really play. Um, he strikes me just from the small film I saw as an elite rim running and pick and roll big. Like when they got the rebound. Now, one thing I will dock him for is that he wasn't getting a lot of rebounds in the film that I saw. But when somebody else was getting the rebound, I mean, he was right to the front of the rim, sprinting, sprinting, sprinting. And whether he was getting the ball and finishing or in the pick and roll, the guard was getting the shot up on the rim. He was getting in, rebounding outside his area and finishing everything. So, I mean, I think he – I can see why he would be on NBA radars. I mean, like you said, he has a physical frame. He's a rim-running big, and I think he's pretty solid defensively. Nothing on the film I saw. Maybe you guys saw something else that I didn't see, but nothing defensively that's like, oh, my God. But I think that he has the ability and the tools to do so. And looking at him, if he did fit with this Michigan team, I think that – it wouldn't necessarily be a him or Terrace situation in my eyes. I think they're bigs that bring two totally different things. Terrace isn't a rim runner to me. Terrace is a low bruiser, throw it to him in the post, carve out space type of big. This is a, he's a different type of big to me. He's a rim runner. Like I said, more athletic um, is kind of where I would put it. So I think it'd be a great ad for Michigan. And I think it would fit in because you could go uh, in Kamwa, um, Aliyah, or you go in Kamwa Reed, you go neither of them, put a Kamwa at the five. They can give you like a little bit of versatility and differences with big. So I think it'd be a really good uh, ad for Michigan. Tristan, you're a message boards guy. What do the message boards say on Leah Leah? Yeah, it, it, it's one of the, the new frustrations in the offseason because there's like the, been this rush of international guys committing, and every one of them. People are saying, oh, he's a potential pro prospect. He's someone that's highly coveted. And my thing is, are these guys being coveted because they're legitimately good or is because the transfer portal dried up and now these are the new options left? And, and it's not just for, for Elias, for all of these guys. So and some of them could be great pros, future pros, or some of them could just ride the bench and be a waste of a scholarship. If you're, if you're Michigan, you don't really have another five on the roster. Like, like you can play the combo at the five, but if everyone says that he's the best power forward in the Big Ten, why not play him at his strength and play him there? Why, why move him around and potentially have him guard big so he's not necessarily going to be able to? So if there's 40 minutes available and you have Reed, who can be a foul merchant at times, play put, put a lead in there. And, and, and from what I saw, he's a guy that can score and produce without having plays called for him. And that that's always good for a big man when you can just have good energy and not necessarily have to rely on your athleticism to just be at the right place at the right time. So, yeah, if you're Michigan, absolutely go for him. You can make the case that there's minutes available, although the same thing can be said for Providence because 
they're going to lose Will, uh, Will McNair and Josh Oduro, and uh, Reed's going to be a sophomore. And, and that's tricky with these recruitments because is Reed going to be a breakout star? Is he someone that could potentially go pro early? Is he not that good and possibly someone you have to recruit over to begin with? It's it, it, it it's going to be a tricky recruitment if you're Juwan Howard, but I think you can argue that Reed's never going to be a 30, 30 to 32 minute per game guy. He's probably going to be around 2022 20, and there's going to be 15, 18 minutes available for him if he comes in and it allows uh, Michigan to play all their bigs at their proper positions. You can have Trey Jackson at the four, McComb at the four, uh, Will Shedder and, and Terrence Williams somewhere on the roster. I don't know what you're going to do with them. And I think it, it might be a quiet indictment of how Juwan Howard feels about the front court rotation outside of the top guys. But yeah, it, it would be a, a nice pickup for them. I'm just not so sure if they have a better sell than Providence. Yeah, I think it would be a loud indictment of how he feels about Terrence Williams and Will Shetter. Um, This would be the third power forward Michigan has added out of four transfer portal ads this offseason. This is a roster that still needs a small forward. They don't have one. <laughs> Yusuf Kai is the only wing on this roster, and he's about to add his third power forward if he lands Lealia. Uh, that definitely says something about Juwan Howard's roster building in general and his inability to get a positionally balanced team put together. But uh, it also is him learning from mistakes because last year they didn't have a playable power forward. Next is, is, Leo right a four? Is, he a, is he for sure a four? He's a four or five, but I I don't think he's big enough to be a big 10 center. Um, okay. I, he just, I mean, he's bouncy athletic enough, but I think his most natural fit is like an overpowering bruising four than it is a small ball five. Uh, right. I, I would say this about Aaliyah. I, I buy him as a prospect and I don't buy every international prospect. Um, I think he's good. I think like there is something to be said with the fact that on the Argentina team, he's been playing with at FIBA. Like he's been their best player. He's been their best prospect ask anybody in that world. Like it's like, Oh yeah. Aaliyah is the best prospect in Argentina right now. That says something to me. He's been functioning as if he is like the go-to guy on that team. I like that. Um, if I'm him, back to your point, Tristan, I don't I don't view Michigan as a team with a bunch of great opportunity. Like, I, I think he could come in and play minutes. He probably would have to because they don't have a backup center. But um, I would view Kamwa as a guy who's going to play 30 to 35 minutes across the four and five. I would view Terrace Reed as a guy who's going to play 25 to 30 minutes. I know it could be less with fouls, but like those two guys are big 10 starters that aren't going to come off the floor much. I think Aaliyah would be competing with Trey Jackson for backup minutes at Michigan in year one. Um, I hope Michigan gets him because it would definitely bolster things. They need a backup center desperately. It would balance the front court roster a little bit. But um, I like if I'm Aaliyah, I think I, I see bigger opportunity at Providence than I do at Michigan. Um, what are you going to say, Cart? Uh, well, the thing is, you know what's going to happen if he goes to Michigan, right? What? He's he's gonna play extremely well, show some things, work his way somehow into a first round draft pick. He's gonna lead, but it's gonna make Terrace Reed upset, and Terrace Reed leaves, and then next season, Will Cheddar's your starting five. It could happen. Uh, it could happen. I look at Michigan right now. I'm not thinking more than six months in advance. I I don't know that my coach even wants to be here further than that. So just get me through the season, and I do think Aaliyah would help. Last thing, uh, his quote nil agent 
is Bam Adebayo and Giannis Antetokounmpo's agent. So uh, one that says like, okay, this kid actually is basically signed by someone that is representing superstars. That matters to me. And two, there's a theoretical Bam Jawan connection here. So you're telling me that an international prospect is represented by an agent who also represents some international prospects in the NBA? Listen, there's a lot of international prospects out there. Do they all get signed by Giannis and Bam's agent? Do they? You're better than that. Is Mati Sissoko signed by this agent? You don't got to do that. Why, see, why do you got to go there? Why is it always not go low? Listen, go man, Mati's, Mati's a starter on the fourth best team in the country, and he puts schools together for, for children. That's incredible. Why Why has someone not signed Mati Sissoko? Wait, 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 but just and and I can't believe in this rare occasion I'm going to be on Carter's side, but I I remember Listen, just it, just get on my side without the I, first point, but cook. Yeah, but I I just remember a year ago when when Yusef Yo-Yo signed to Michigan, and Greg, you just had multiple videos talking about the impact he's going to have, and he played about eight more minutes than I did last year at the D1 level. So are are you sure you want to hype up this guy and, and get your heart broken again? Because I don't want that for you. I don't feel like I'm hyping him up that much. I definitely did hype up Yo-Yo because, I mean, we had, not to name names, throw people under the bus, but we had Brandon Goble on the show to tell us about Yo-Yo because he knew him and he was gassing him up like he'd be an impact guy. Um, that obviously didn't come to fruition. Part of that, in my opinion, was the Jet and Kobe were top 15 NBA draft picks. So there weren't a lot of minutes available at the two and the three for Yo-Yo last year. But no, also, that wasn't the issue. That wasn't the issue. He just wasn't very good. And you, you need to take accountability for, for hyping him up unnecessarily. And you're about to do it again if you don't lose to Kim English in a recruiting battle. I'm not doing it again. I said he's going to be a backup at best. Is that hyping up? Then why are you even talking about a, a backup at best for an NIT roster? This is just. This why are we talking about good. him? Why is just I just don't understand. I don't understand why we're talking about Michigan basketball, but they're not even going to be good next year. Is this, like, talk about- is this the trick that we get when they win one tournament game? Because it's gonna be it's gonna be bad news when they're like a, a single digit seed. I don't understand why we bring people on the show who can't figure out how a mute button works. Good God, Tristan. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh Cart, we're gonna do the randomizer again. We're going back to the Big Ten randomizer. Yesterday we did uh why does Iowa what, what needs to happen for Iowa to make a Sweet 16? We have 13 more teams. We're going to do this for every team in the conference. Uh, Cart, click the button. Who are we doing today? Nebraska. <laughs> okay, we're really starting in the cornfields. What needs to happen in a, a crazy world where Nebraska emerges out of nowhere and makes a run to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament this year? How did it happen? I don't even know who to throw to because I'm I'm confused by this hypothetical. You could you could you could throw it to me and I'll tell you exactly how it's gonna happen. Uh they're gonna have to hone in on the fact that Kisei is the Japanese Steph Curry. That's the type of run that he has to have. And they just gotta lean into their backcourt. Um we, we talked about with when we had Riley on for a couple Fridays ago for Riley Fridays that they could actually have something with this team if they were able to retain some guys. If you were able to keep Kisei for this season, get a second season of Greasel, and then another season of Derek Walker, who I thought Derek Walker was one of the most underrated bigs in the Big Ten. I thought he was very productive and did a lot of things for that team. They just weren't that good. 
Uh, I don't know if there is any world, though. Is that fair to say for this exercise that Nebraska makes a Sweet 16? Like, I, I literally don't see a path. They, yeah, they, just can't, they, they can't, right? We're not, we're not allowed to say that in this exercise. We're not? This, this exercise okay. is what happened. They made the Sweet 16. Okay, here's what happened. What here's happened. what happened. Kise Tomonaga is a first-team All-Big Ten player, okay? Jerron Coleman is a 40% three-point shooter. And Wiltshire, the promise shooter, is the 40% three-point shooter. And we've been promised that for a couple of years, and people have been telling me that he can shoot, and he continues to not shoot well. So that comes true. And I think that's what it is. And then we finally see the, put it in quotation marks, coaching prowess of the mayor, Hoiberg. That's how they make a Sweet 16. That's that's why they're in the Sweet 16. Tristan, your thoughts? Yeah, so the most realistic way, I think, is that the Big Ten has another collectively great non-conference campaign that everyone kills it once again, which is what they're prone to do. And they get 10 teams and in, in they get 10 bids. And Nebraska is one of them as a 11 seed. And they get two wins because Kisei Tominaga and Bryce Williams, who is a great transfer from Charlotte, just goes off from deep. And they're one of those 11 seeds that wins a couple games this week, 16. They can shoot the ball. I think Nebraska is going to be an outstanding shooting team. I think Rink Mass, the transfer from Bradley, is going to be really good in the front court. We... The, the, the concern is, and we talked, and you guys have talked all about Illinois not getting a point guard. I hate the fact that Nebraska couldn't get one. And they got Aaron Eulis, who wasn't very good at Iowa, and that was going to be a concern. Yeah, he, he ain't playing. And, yeah, now and you could argue that maybe replacing him with Jaron Coleman is a slight upgrade because at least Coleman averaged like nine points a game at Missouri, so he can be a power conference contributor just not an efficient one, and he's really more of a wing than a, than a point to begin with. But it it, it, it just sucks that they lost both Greasel and Walker because Walker was effectively a point forward for them, and he was really, really good. I, I think he he didn't get enough credit for his play. It Maybe, maybe because the point guard position in the Big Ten next season isn't going to be elite, that it won't necessarily matter too much. But 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 as you say, Cora, maybe if Wilcher can be sort of a breakout star for them, I'm not even sure where you where you would play him. Like, do you do you effectively play him as a as a four, or just have an ultra small lineup since you have to play Kisei and Williams together? Maybe it could work. I, I think Nebraska will once again be a very entertaining team to watch. I think they're going to be fun to watch. But if they don't figure out how that point guard situation works, so you can get the ball to those shooters then I ultimately don't think it, it, it's going to matter. But it, it it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world if they somehow sneak into a tournament and just go on a hot shooting streak and somehow make the, the Sweet 16. It, it's it's not inconceivable, but I need to know how that PG plays. I think if Penn State could do it last year, like we can we can stretch our brains enough to think Nebraska could maybe mimic something like that. Because I like their backcourt a lot. Like I think... I think Bryce Williams, Tominaga, and honestly Boogie Coleman, like as a trio, have a chance to be really good. I don't know if that's the three that like play thirty minutes a game together. I don't love any of them as like a point guard, but I think it could work like by committee, and maybe you could have a really really poor man's version of what Michigan State's going to do, where they're just playing three guards at the same time, and none of them are the passer AJ Hogard is, but can Tominaga shoot like Akins? 
maybe. Actually, yes, definitely yes. <laughs> Can Bryce Williams be an all-around guy? I think so. Um, I don't know what Boogie is. He's kind of the swing piece for me, but they're going to miss Walker. Like, if you just threw Walker back on this team, I would say they have all the surrounding pieces around a front court star, and they just have no answers in the front court right now. Um, they're going to need the backcourt to overcome that, which could happen. I have three things. Like, if I'm actually closing my eyes and saying, how did Nebraska get here? And they're in the Sweet 16 the second week of March. This is what happened. Number one, most important, Kisei Tomonaga has a growth spurt. I think if Kisei is 6'7", by the end of December, that Nebraska has what they need. If he's still 6'2", I'm a little concerned. But a 6'7", Tomonaga, I think, can do it all and dominate this league. Uh, two, Boogie Coleman's got to get his Twitter likes under control. Um, I I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about or not. I'm not encouraging anyone to go look at his Twitter likes. That's all I will say. Uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned. He's got to get them under control. And three, also critical, they have to be really, really, really good at home. Like really, really, really good at home. And Cart and I know this from experience. It's a tough place to play. They had the number one team in the country on the ropes last year. It went to overtime. It was an electric environment. I do think that this Nebraska team is good enough to win 75% of their games at home in Big Ten play. And if they do that, just steal a couple on the road, they could certainly qualify for the tournament the same way Tristan just talked about in a, a league that I think is going to get a lot of respect this year. Just get rid of the cake pops. If if they protect home court and the cake pop pops are gone, if fans know that they're going to the arena to get a win every game and not just we're going to leave with a cake pop and a loss, then I like Nebraska basketball. Card, have you found what I was alluding to yet? No, he might have deleted his likes or something. Huh. Okay, good. Then uh, number two is already taken care of. They're 33% <laughs> of the way there. Somebody get a tape measure out and ask Pomanaga to stand on the wall. Uh, okay, final final question around the horn. Percent likelihood this happens? We didn't do this with Iowa, but uh, what's the percent likelihood that this actually happens? One to 100. I'd say like... Like 20%. 20% Nebraska makes a sweet 16? I think a lot. I think one of the reasons you said it should have been Hoiberg. I don't know why. Every coach who's in this category right now needs to look at what Shrews did last year and just zag. You do not have to zig. Just try to zag and see what happens. If you've been zagging and been finished at the bottom of the big, you've been zigging and finishing at the bottom of the big tank continuously. Just give the zag a go and see where else you go. Like, just try that out. And I don't know if, like, we talked to it yesterday. Could McCaffrey do that? Probably not. He seems like a coach that's stuck in his ways. Can Hoiberg do that? I don't know. But you do have to try something different when you have a team like this and the, the personnel like this. So give what me 20%. If, what if everybody zags, though? Then do you need to go back to zigging? Then you just you, you, you mail it in. If everybody zags, then there's nothing you can do. But if everyone's still zigging, then you zag? Yeah. Okay. And last year, I think we did see Hoiberg zag because he was throwing those like constant double teams out. Like he was just swarm double teaming all over the court. Um, so who knows? Maybe he's willing to adapt. Tristan, what's the percent chance? 20% seems crazy. Probably is. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go 15% because <laughs> I, I – no, because they're they're the time of team that if they get to the tournament, everyone's going to pick them to make a run because shooting teams are are always going to be are the ones that you pick for upsets. I think Nebraska could be one of the best pure shooting teams in the country, and if they can just somehow get to the tournament as that eleven seed, 
you know, compared to the others, they would probably be the one that I would think could could beat someone because they'll they'll probably go up against a team that's insanely athletic. They can't shoot. And the right night, they absolutely can be a team that makes a run. And then Fred Hoiberg is a good coach. Like the past few years hasn't been great, but I'm not going to give up on him completely. And they got the veterans. It's going to be a senior latent roster. They're, they're the, they have the recipe to be the one that could actually do make some noise. And I'm not as high as them as, say, Riley is, but I I don't hate them to be a tournament team. Uh. They were 9-11 and 11 last season under Fred Hoiberg. That's his best record in Big Ten play. They have not had a winning record in the Big Ten since 2017 when Tim Miles finished fourth, went 13-5. and five, And I believe that team missed the NCAA tournament still that year. Uh, I, I think you guys are crazy. I think this is like a 2% chance if we're being generous. Uh, sorry, Nebraska, but like 1-5? 1-5? team makes a sweet 16. Like, Illinois can't even make a sweet 16 right now. We're at, like, the Cornhuskers have a chance. Illinois can't shoot. That's why we're picking Nebraska to potentially. Nebraska it. would be better off with you two in the front court and the three guards we just talked about. Well, you did talk about them needing a 6-7 Kisei Tobinaga while you're podcasting with one. That's <laughs> true. All right, good luck, Nebraska. Uh, I hope we make it back to Lincoln. Lincoln was a fun trip last year. Let's see if that can happen. One big thing presented by Bigby. Bigby, uh, Tristan, do you drink Bigby? You're a sleep-in guy, so I don't know how much caffeine intake you have. I don't know if there's a Bigby in Pittsburgh. That makes sense. Need to get it there. Mm, Okay. Well, uh, hopefully you brought your one big thing today, Tristan. (laughs) What do you got? Yeah, one one big thing. Uh, I was considering making this a, a, a diet subject. But I'm kind of, I'm kind of too too tired for that for this time. Uh, I would say one big thing is just overall from as a content creator. I, I think you guys talk about being a blue blue collar podcast, and I consider myself to be more of a blue collar writer. Uh, I, I think we're in this world where there's so many newcomers coming in in various fields of other podcasting, TikTok, writing, other content creation. And I would just say to everyone, just just keep grinding. And, and I think it, it's such an important point because we see a lot of people who who come up not necessarily on hard work, but more because of who they know and the connections and certain privileges and advantages they have. That you know, some people who don't necessarily get that, they feel as, as if it, it's too much to overcome. And, and as someone who literally applied to be a writer for busting brackets at 4 a.m doing security an overnight shift to to get to the point where i I know some of the top college basketball writers in the country it 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 pays off eventually and and i and regardless whether it's during the season in the off season in august april or in the heart of march madness just 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 continue grinding because it, it eventually really does work off. And there's going to be a lot of people who come and go as someone who, who, who edits articles for others. I've seen that for years, but for ones that just keep sticking with it, you, 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 it not only pays off, but you're happy you did it because of the people and players and coaches you eventually meet. And, and it, it really is rewarding. Love those thoughts. Love those thoughts and facts too, by the way. Yeah. Just, just let that be known. Uh, can I go next, Jeep? Yeah, but I feel like I want to spend a little more time just like shouting out Tristan for that. That was a really in-depth thought. We can't just skate over that. Uh, well, I was going to skate over it because I think my one big thing actually might ins- insult Tristan. So 
Oh, okay. Get it out of the way. Sure. Uh, got? Yeah, my one big thing is if you are like waking up or at certain points of your day, and the first thing you do is grab a soda. I think you need some help, okay? And especially if that soda is Mountain Dew Code Red, okay? Because that's just unacceptable. If that's what you're drinking first thing in the morning. Tristan, I am so proud of your journey and what you have done and the weight loss. You, I mean, it is, this is the first time I've seen you in a long time. And it is literally, you look like a different person. But then I watch you reach off the screen and grab a Mountain Dew Code Red. Like what, my friend, don't, honestly, everyone out there, stop drinking soda. You shouldn't be drinking soda in any form. To be honest with you, just drink some water. You'll be okay. You don't need soda, either water drink, or seltzers. Or but I don't drink soda, though. I drink pop. Okay, Tristan. My one big thing is that you need to stop drinking soda and pop. Look, I my ass went to bed at two a.m. for you guys, and that this is this is the best I could do waking up. Like that's tired. early. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's an That's early crazy. bedtime is two yeah. in the morning. Oh yeah. God. Incredible. Um, yeah. Uh, first, I don't like the Diet Coke disrespect cart. I don't like that. That's a staple of any complete balanced diet. I've also been to your house and seen how much Diet Coke is in your house. So let's not pretend like that's not a thing. That's that's a lie. This house has been Diet Coke free for four months now. Don't believe that for a second. It's not true. It has. I don't believe that for a second. I'm going to hit the group chat. Uh, Tristan, first of all, shout out to you. Thanks for coming on the episode. Um, I echo everything that you've said about working hard and keeping your head down and you don't always get the breaks you hope you deserve, but over time it comes, you've built something really great at busting brackets and it's a pleasure to, uh, to be a colleague of yours. So appreciate you big time. Uh, my one big thing is not related to either of the two of you though. It's back to Lionel Messi, Lionel Messi. Um, I said I wanted to call this out individually the other day, and then I just kind of glossed over it in the like shout out to sports for sporting again. But I really want to dissect what Messi's doing right now because I disrespected him a couple weeks ago. I said no one should be impressed by it. It's lame. It's bad for American soccer, etc. I still feel a lot of those feelings. Like I don't think American soccer fans should be surprised that this is happening at all or act like this is saving soccer. With that said, Messi should have mailed this in. That's what I fully expected. When I hear a 36-year-old greatest to ever play is choosing to come to Inter-Miami instead of play for any of the greatest clubs in the world, that signals to me that he doesn't care anymore, that he doesn't want to be the best. He's not concerned about winning anything of note. He's going to just show up, cash his check, take pictures with LeBron James, and go to Publix and grab a chicken tender sub. That's what I fully expected. This man has given it his all every single game, though. And he's earned an admirer in me because he's not just like subbing in to play 15 minutes at the end of a match. He's playing all 90-plus stoppage time. He's scoring a goal every single game. And these are highlight goals. These aren't just like, oh, I'm better than you. Let me go tap it in. He's going like one-on triple team, finding space and doing what Messi does. It's been incredible to watch, even if it is against the ninth-best league in the world instead of the first-best league in the world. And as I thought more about it, I texted you, Cart, and I said, we might have to revisit this messy stuff. And you you and I have been aligned on this. It's not that important, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the more I talked about it, the more I thought about it, isn't it the all-time GOAT move to not care about who your competition is? Like, to just go up against a total mismatch, someone you should destroy, and destroy them? 
Like, that's what I want my goats to do. And I feel like Messi deserves some credit for that. If we were going to ding him for, oh, he's running from the grind or whatever at the front, nah, he showed up and it's like Carter playing against my seven-year-old nephew one-on-one. Cart's going to go out and 21-0 him. And that's what I would expect because he's great. Messi's doing that in the MLS right now. I respect it. I enjoy it. And Messi has made a fan in me. Thank you. Appreciate that. Positive note to end the show. Tristan, thanks so much for being here. Uh, Sleepers Podcast will be back Wednesday this week. Click subscribe if you're in the YouTube. Link to join the Discord is in the description. We'll see you tomorrow.